Bandwagon Podcast, presented by Where's Woody and TBR Sports. Okay, everybody, welcome in to a very exciting moment, I should say, the first episode and the launch of the Where's Woody Podcast. And if you're listening from TBR Sports, obviously, uh, welcome back. I believe this is episode 121 of the Booth of You Podcast, so we're glad to have you back. Thank you for sticking with us for 121 episodes. But if you're new here, if you're listening on the uh, the Where's Woody platform, welcome. Uh, brief introduction. My name is Brendan Willett. I am the co-founder of TBR Sports, a uh, small little media, sports media company. We run podcasts. We run digital content. Um, we, we do a lot of things, and we're really excited to be entering into this new chapter of the TBR Sports book and the Where's Woody story as well. Um, so uh, I'm joined as always by my co-host, uh, Michael Lynch, and we also have a special guest that we'll get to in a second. But uh, Michael, how's it going? Haven't talked in a while. Man, it's going well. I'm glad to be back on a podcast. It's been a minute for me. Um, it's exciting to be here. You know, I like to think of myself as your right hand man, so I'm glad I'm here for this. Uh, yeah, but it's are. good to be back. It's good to be back. Doing That's well. a pretty hefty compliment to give of yourself, too. So yeah, I, mean, I would I like have given you that compliment. I like but, to um, think I am. Maybe not on are. a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe not on the um, yeah, so good to good to hear that you're doing well. Um, and I mentioned we've got a special guest. So, um, you know, in short, TBR Sports and um, and Where's Woody are entering into a you know, really cool kind of partnership and, and collaboration. And we have a lot planned, and um, and we'll get to that later on in the episode. What exactly the specifics are of what we have coming up, but um, you know, we wanted to lay down the uh, the groundwork with this benchmark episode and, and hear from the founder of Where's Woody and kind of the uh, the brains behind the operation. So um, we are excited to be joined by uh, Mike Norwood, uh, founder of Where's Woody. So welcome to the show. And uh, and thank you for being here, carving out the time to, to talk with us. We think, you know, it's important to, to kind of get this uh, get this introductory podcast out there so that, you know, people can can, you know, hear your story. It's a fascinating one. Um, and hear more about the brand and hear more about, you know, what you're trying to do, what we're trying to do together. Um, so uh, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate uh, your time. Thank you so much, Brendan and Michael. It's a great pleasure to, to not only have met you guys and, and uh, launch this thing. Um, we're super excited about what's to come for the brand. And, and I think, uh, quite frankly, with our relationship partnership, it's only going to accelerate. Um, both of our uh, platforms and uh, you know, super excited that you guys are uh, taking the time to talk to me and, uh, and, and give me the opportunity to share uh, where we've come from and where we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited. I mean, like I said, you have a very fascinating story. And, and when we first met, I was um, I was just intrigued by everything that you had to say about, you know, your involvement with where's Woody and what you did before and just kind of your life story. Um, so I give a brief background for everybody. So you're the founder and kind of the creative director, um, you know, to put it into into better terms of the Where's Woody brand. Uh, you were diagnosed with type one diabetes at 11, which, um, you know, tugs on the heartstrings of myself and probably a lot of our viewers because I'm a type one diabetic. And I know that we have a pretty strong pulse on the um, not just juvenile, but type one diabetes um, community at large. And a lot of our listeners um, have found us through that, um, connection as well. Um, so before you were with Where's Woody, you sold insulin pumps and CGM devices for 12 years, which was very fascinating to hear for me, because that is a interesting leap to take from, you know, 
medical device, you know, sales into, you know, launching a lifestyle brand. And, um, and you've been working on this lifestyle brand since 2011. So um, very, very, uh, you know, intriguing story just, you know, off of those first four bullet points. Um, so we're excited to talk with you. Um, just hear a little bit more about um, where the brand's headed, how it how it came to be and uh, kind of the mission of this uh, of this whole um, of this whole collective. So um, yeah, Lynch, do you want to do you want to kick it off? I know that you had some some questions off the bat that you just wanted to get going. But yeah, totally. So to start it off, Mike, like one thing that Brendan kind of already gave us a little bit of an overview of you know who you are, but for more that are for those who are curious to know more, uh, like who are you? Where are you from? What's your story? It can be as long or as short as you want, but it's just good to have that background. I think for all of us. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Michael. Yeah, I. Um... Well, to go all the way back, I grew up in southern New Jersey on the on the shore uh, till about college. I went to school in Virginia, James Madison, and, uh, you know, took some jobs. I was originally in a, a sports marketing role, believe it or not, for about uh, eight years, worked in Manhattan uh, for a number of years. Uh, and then I completely changed course, as I have even with Where's Woody, which I'll, I'll get to. But um, and went into medical. Uh, as Brendan touched on, I've had type 1 diabetes for, since 1978. And uh, it was sort of a personal calling, I felt at the time in my late 20s to get into medical and, and work for Medtronic, um, a medical device manufacturer for about a dozen years. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, after spending quite a uh, successful time there, uh, had always forever had the itch to want to start my own business. And um, so during my uh, latter years at Medtronic, I, uh, I bought a Grand Wagoneer, just as sort of a, you know, a fun thing to do. And um, I, uh, in part, tried to get my own thing going with some sort of uh, encouragement from Babson College, uh, which is known for entrepreneurship. Um, I was able to get a permit uh, from the town of Falmouth in uh, Cape Cod to be able to drive our Wagoneer around and sell everything from flip-flop, sunscreen, uh, lip balm, uh, sunglasses and such uh, out of it. And it was just sort of a weekend thing. I would work during the week. And then on the weekends, I would travel down the Cape and take Woody, uh, our you know now mascot, out and spin it around and park it wherever we could without prohibiting traffic or being a hazard to the general public and essentially be a street vendor. Um, it was a bit humbling in, in the beginning because, um, you know, I, here I was in my, I, th I think early forties at the time, uh, you know, parking a, a vehicle and sitting out in the sun and hawking flip-flops and, and, and swag, if you will, um, along the beaches, getting people on and off the steamship from Martha's Vineyard. It was fun, met a ton of people, sold a lot of product. Um, and that was just the genesis of where's Woody, the, the brand that's become today. I quite frankly, at that time never really thought that, um, nor was it really my goal to build a, you know, a brand. Uh, the original concept was to have, to have a fleet of Woody's or, or Wagoneers out there, much like the way when I was growing up, there were like good humor uh, ice cream trucks, good humor bicycles that used to drive beach to beach and sell their, their goods or their ice cream to. I thought we'd do the same with selling flip-flops and sunscreen and things that people needed or they forgot to, to take to the beach. Um, all up and down the East Coast and all throughout the country, for that matter. Uh, but what wound up happening was that people loved 
the funked out wagon that we that we uh, made up. And uh, people kept saying or encouraging us to to make our own stuff and make some really cool like you know t-shirts and hats. And I did not come from a product development or a branding background, but it was it was it's been a trade that I've been impassioned to learn about and and skills that I've picked up on. So to make the short of it, we started hustling and going to different tournaments, uh, lacrosse and rowing and things like that. In addition to doing our weekend sort of uh, pedaling around on the Cape and uh, the product line, you know, now almost a decade in here is just matured into being really a fine line of sportswear, headwear, stuff that really makes us unique. Um, But all that said, it's been a real uh, learning process for me. Again, coming from, you know, even in the beginning of my career, marketing background, then a medical device career into, uh, you know, building something from scratch. Um, so supply chain and all these different complications that we've experienced with COVID have only made it that much more uh, challenging. But um, I think the, the sort of the core tenets of our brand, making our best products, our sportswear in particular, right in our back is really cool. And then, of course, being personal to myself and Brendan and so many others, uh, we, we, I think, very generously donate a percentage of every sale that we make, whether it's online or in person, to our nonprofit partners. So this is something that's just matured. It continues to mature. It's been very grassroots. Um, you know, we, uh, of course, with this podcasting and other digital content that we hopefully collaboratively will build on, uh, and create, um, this business has been built literally out of the back of our wagon here. Um, it's been a lot of hustle, um, and a lot of face to face, and we're super excited to be able to take what we've built, you know, uh, in person, uh, to a greater audience online and throughout the country and, and then beyond our borders, uh, hopefully someday internationally. Um, people love our product. It's colorful. It's got a lot of personality and, um, you know, I love the creative side of our business, um, probably more than anything. Um, and we're super excited about where we can go and how we can fit into what's, you know, always been a very competitive market. But we feel like, again, with making our, our great stuff close to home and giving back on every purchase that, you know, what we stand for is, uh, frankly, a lot more than what most brands do these days. Yeah, that's really cool. I can I can attest to the fact that the the um, the product is colorful as well. I was sporting it on the golf course the other day. Um, I had a, I had a very colorful and I, I like to dress up on the golf course. Um, you know, I, I go to a club where a lot of people wear muted colors and, you know, I like to, I like to throw a little, uh, throw a little sauce in the, uh, in the formula at my, uh, at my country club. And I threw on my, my new, where's Woody pullover shot a 78. So I thought, you know, Hey, if it, if it works now, <laughs> Let's let's keep it going. So uh, I, I can attest to the fact that that it the color pops for sure. It's it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, so you mentioned kind of the whole genesis of the operation is the is the type one diabetes and um, you know that at its core is what is you know very important to you and very important to a lot of people. Um, you said that you were diagnosed in 1979 um, at age 11. I know that everybody's story is different and their experience is different. Uh, Speaking personally, I was diagnosed at age five in 2007, which I'm sure was a very different time than your diagnosis. And I'm sure that there are people who are listening 
um, who either have family members or they themselves were diagnosed at a different period of their, their lives. Um, so could you just talk about what your experience was like when you were first diagnosed and how that's kind of evolved into, uh, into, you know, modern day 2023? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not old enough where some people say I didn't boil my syringes, uh, but I did, I did, I pardon the expression pee on a stick. Um, we did not have blood glucose testing or monitoring, uh, really until the nineties. So, uh, as scary as it may sound to people, I actually went to college with no blood glucose meter. Uh, went with NPH and regular insulin and a syringe, um, you know, with a thicker gauge needle than what we have today. Um, so I relied very much on the, how do I feel method, but I will say, and I'm still like this today. And I think it, I hopefully empowers so many of our fans and customers and people that are hopefully soon to be fans is that, um, it's never prohibited me or gotten my way of doing what I've always wanted to do. I, I played college tennis, um, and uh, I've been very active throughout my entire life. Uh, so uh, very, very different times. I think it's still shocking to people to think that, geez, just some 30 years ago, give or take, uh, um, you know, we didn't have you know, blood glucose meters. Now we have all this razzle dazzle with CGM and what have you and, and smart pumps and, that integrate with those devices. But um, so I grew up essentially playing sports, eating all the time. That's kind of way we, we, we did it. You know, we, we wanted to make sure that when you went out, you know, on the field or on the court that you never had a low. Um, so you might've gone out there at 250, 300 and, uh, but that was okay back then because, um, you know, the worst thing you could, you'd want to experience is, is hypoglycemia. So, um, I grew up in an era when it was like, do you have your snacks? Do you have your crackers? Do you have your granola bars? Do you have all that stuff? And so, um, very different now, obviously that we can, those people like, that are on pumps at least can eat when they feel hungry, not having to eat out of necessity to avoid a low blood sugar. So, um, but you know, it's, um, it's great. It's personally very satisfying for me to have, you know, been, you know, uh, living with diabetes pre pump. Um, and the pump was a dramatic change in my life as I'm sure it has been for a lot of other people. Um, and then be a part of it to be able to help so many other people, um, you know, take the, you know, get the benefits of, of those therapies. So, um, but yeah, really, uh, just flying blind for a long, long time, uh, based, you know, I guess checking my blood sugars based on how I felt, um, which I'm sure makes people cringe, but I think a lot of people were diagnosed in sixties, seventies and eighties in particular, um, or at least live with diabetes then can certainly relate to that because there just wasn't the type of, um, you know, tools that we now have. So, right. uh, I've been very blessed to have, um, gotten through college, enjoyed it. Um, you know, I've, I've had a very unique career. Um, I think I've had a few different ones, quite frankly. Um, but, um, I also like, uh, mixing it up and doing things different. And, um, so my message, I think to a lot of people is, um, you know, do what you want to do. Um, and don't feel like you're limited in any way. Um, now again, with all this technology that we have today, we, it really makes that possible. But even back when I was diagnosed and through, through the eighties and growing up, um, I still had to sort of the same mentality. I just had to treat my di diabetes a little bit differently than I might, than I have to today. Um, right. yeah. yeah, but it was, um, it was, you know, a little scary, I think, but at the same time, you're a kid and, you know, your youth can, can excuse you from a lot of things, uh, 
Whereas maybe right now in my life, I can't get away with some of those things. Right. I, that, that, that's wild to hear because, you know, there are certainly similarities, um, obviously not exactly similar, but, you know, I was in the same boat where I, I didn't have an insulin pump for probably the first 10 years um, after I was diagnosed. I was strictly finger sticks and, um, and insulin shots. Um, but it, it is incredible to see how far the technology has come, even in my lifetime, um, you know, now being on CGM constantly and, you know, have an insulin pump that, that, you know, talks with the CGM. There are days where I'm really not touching my insulin pump and everything's running through my phone. Um, and it, it's kind of incredible to, to have been like, you know, elementary school running to the bathroom to poke my finger and draw up insulin to now I'll, I can go hours without even really feeling it in my pocket, but it's working the whole time. And, you know, I'm keeping up to it, up with it. Um, but it is incredible how far the technology has come. And, you know, the similarities that I hear, you know, growing up playing hockey, playing baseball, playing golf, it was a lot of the same stuff, even though, you know, I had the insulin pump, it was send yourself in high so that, you know, if you burn a lot of carbs and, you know, you are working your ass off in a game, you're not going to experience an extreme low. And, you know, I remember before games, you know, in the locker room, like two Gatorades, like crackers, a bunch of stuff just to try and bump my number up above 200. And I'm sure that's the reality for a lot of athletes who have type one diabetes, even today, um, even as far as the technology has come, you can't hundred percent predict what's going to happen um, with your blood sugar. And, you know, it'll be cool on this podcast. I mean, our goal is to, to talk with some of those athletes that have type one diabetes and, um, you know, I think we can string together a lot of really unique stories. Um, I'm sure we could go back and forth all day about, oh, I had this crazy low on the field one time, or, you know, I went into a game 500. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of that <laughs> that we can get out of this. Um, but that's wild to hear because it's so different for, for everybody. And, you know, I'll talk with people like family, friends now who have a family member who just got diagnosed. And, you know, they have the luxury of the insulin pump and the Dexcom or the, you know, the CGM, whatever it is. And it's like, you know, if there was ever a time to, to get diagnosed, I think it's now just to look at how far the technology has come. Like, I can't even imagine going like days without knowing or even hours without knowing. Like, I, I constantly am looking at my, my blood sugar just to make sure that everything's good. So, yeah, that's, that's incredible to hear. But um, really cool story. Um, one thing that I was kind of curious about, you've touched on it a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you said like, where's what he wasn't like your life plan. You know, you didn't have this out in the moment you were, you know, or in college or whatever. You kind of said you had multiple career paths in your own life. The one thing that I'm kind of curious about is like, how, you know, how, how was that change? You know, kind of taking that chance to jump ship a few times to doing what you really want. Like, was that tough for you? And like, how did that really lead you to where you are today? And how like, you know, the spot you're in? Uh, that's a great question. Ironically, I'm not so sure I would be here or have started Where's Woody if I didn't have diabetes. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think that, you know, not to sound uh, too philosophical, uh, but, you know, we get, we get one crack at this thing, right? And, uh, you know, we all know that, you know, whether you have diabetes or not, you know, you got to live every day like it's your last, you know? So, I've always had this, I, you know, this thing that, you know, granted I had a very, you know, successful. And what I mean by that, you know, you make good money and you do great things at a, at a company, 
uh, that that's uh, you know in technology and 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 you're helping a lot of people. It's very rewarding. But I um, always had this itch to do my own thing. So um, I never really, you know, uh, felt any risk. I, I live with no regret in the sense that, you know, you got to live, you know, you got to live with the decisions you make. And um, and at the end of the day, you got to pursue a dream. You get like I said, you get one chance. And, you know, I'm so, so stubborn, I think, in some respect that as tough as it is to start and, and then make any business or any venture successful, um, it just takes a, a lot of, you know, determination, determination and a lot of those same sort of uh, mind that mindset and approach that it takes to live with diabetes. You know, you got to be super resilient. Um, you know, you got to bounce back. And uh, but at the end of the day, you got to you know, you got to be you got to keep chasing. You know, you know, I, we have this expression that, you know, um, you know, it wears Woody. It's like chase your wildest dreams and look great doing it. That's sort of our thing. You know, we want to get after it. And um, and again, we don't feel like there should be any barrier. So, um, you know, I, at times I'll, of this fleeting thought that, you know, why am I doing this? You know, this is crazy. I could, you know, I could have maybe retired by now if I stuck with the cor corporate job. But um you know, I wouldn't have feel I wouldn't feel quite frankly that I would have accomplished much or, or de uh, delivered as much good as I think that we're capable of doing it. Where's Woody? So, um, you know, you just stay, stay super focused um, and keep chasing um, and uh, not live in the past and just keep uh, you know pressing on. But um, I, I honestly, like I said, I, I think the reason I'm here is because you know having diabetes is, is hardened me in a good way. And, um, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's made me that much more ambitious to be able to do things that some others, even myself, perhaps at times I think are not possible. So, um, it makes you, you know, not really second guess yourself. You, you just got to stay committed, um, do the best you can, you know, and diabetes, uh, certainly we know that you can do everything you're, they, they say you're supposed to do and your numbers are still all out of whack. It's the same thing in business. So um, I think a lot of those same sort of uh, daily challenges are here. But, um, I, I, you know, I, want, I knew that and I feel this way strongly about entrepreneurship is that whenever you want to do something that you believe in, you got to commit 100 uh, percent. Not really one of these people that believes in side hustles. And I get why people do that. But the business may never, ever take off or truly become a success and perhaps even a failure if you don't go all in. And I feel, you know, what, where I'm at. And so it's turning the page, moving forward and, um, you know, always in pursuit. No, that's great. I, I love to hear that. One thing I, you know, I can kind of just hear from just talking to you is like, you're a guy that, you know, you, you hustle in a good way. You know, you're always working. You, you, you're going to keep pushing yourself. And that's something that I know Brendan and I like to hear and all the fans are going to like as well. And sometimes touch really kind of like quickly want to touch on is like, you already mentioned it because when you were selling the flip flops and all the stuff and all the things people were forget out of what he in the back, you know, people weren't kind of, you know, pushing you to make some clothes, make some ideas, but like, why, like, why'd you kind of land on the clothing brand for where's Woody? Like, why was, you, know, did you kind of feel like that was the niche that you kind of could you know, delve into a little bit? I, you know, I, I love these questions. So I, I think that, um, again, I, you know, I didn't come from a, I always like to dress nicely. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that was sort of my connection to clothing as I, 
you know, I always used to wear a nice sports coat and a pair of slacks and whatever when I was working in medical device. But um, that's about it. Um, but, you know, I will say at Babson, uh, you know, there's there's this thing and not just at Babson, but in, in business school, they, is, there's things as uh, they call secondary and primary market research. In my opinion, was always that, you know, you got to get out there, make a product, you know, what they call a minimally viable product, um, and you got to try to sell it. You can't ask questions. You can't ask people, if I made this, would you buy that? And would you pay this, pre- this price for it? So we were a living, you know, experiment in the beginning, you know. So how can we transform what people adored in this funky wagoneer into uh, sort of the face or the namesake of a brand? And make it sort of clever and, and, and sort of gimmicky in some respects with the name and and just evolve and figure it out. Um, so, you know, I think one of the reasons we are where we are after, you know, more years than some brands might take is because, you know, we didn't come into this with one, a, you know, a boatload of money and two, uh, really any in any industry expertise. But I think it served us well. I think we've learned uh, I've learned in particular, you know, the intricacies of supply chain and even COVID aside. I mean, I think it's been a real lesson to become a real uh, tradesman in some respects. Um, you know, I'm not a pattern maker, but I can design clothes, which is pretty fascinating. I mean, I had none of that skill going forward. But um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, it's it's just been finding out where the opportunity is. And there's really two things, and I, I will always come back to this, that what we saw on the market that, you know, people say, oh, clothing's super competitive, it's saturated. Um, well, sure, but tell me an industry that's not. The most are. Uh, it's, it's what your values are and how it is that you conduct yourself that make you really, you know, rise to the top over time. And we felt that, you know, um, it was sad how few companies made stuff here. Um, so... And I won't get too deep into it, but we thought it was economically more viable to make things here, sans the margin, you know, that you're giving up because you can make things in smaller batches. So you can make them in your backyard. You can iterate, you could test, you could, you could correct, you could try to refine your product much more quickly than if you made a, a huge commitment offshore, um, which we weren't willing to do. Uh, and the other thing was how many brands actually give back? I mean, really, I mean, a lot of it's about sustainability and environment. It's a lot of the same language. Um, but man, for me, it's always been personal. You know, I've, I've really had this this thing where I can't, as my friends would say, man, you can't get, get rid of the diabetes and trying to do good there. So, you know, these two core, core values of, of making our best and finer goods in our backyard and then giving back on every sale. You know, if you just look at those two things, um, try to find another brand that does that. And, and like what, you know, Brendan had touched on, you know, that has a sort of that bold, that, that, you know, that personality of pop. Most brands are, you know, I won't name names, but they're gray, navy and black, you know, they're solid. They might have a stripe of color or something like that, but I mean, like they all look the same to me. So, you know, we, we wanted to make something that really spoke to our, our ambition and our person, you know, our own personal sort of, um, you know, likes and where we really felt there, there with, with all this research we've done face-to-face with all these customers, some 40,000 plus customers now that, um, you know, that what they were telling us they liked and how it is that we could fit into this crowded market 
And uh, we believe, as our customers have validated, that we have we've you know carved out quite a quite a nice little niche, you know, which Very we cool. think has in it over time. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to see that too. I mean, I, I, you know, I've heard a lot of it from talking um, with you guys just already before the podcast. Um, but, you know, in, in seeing, you know, the website and your clothing, it is easy to, to kind of see the mission, even though, you know, you, you just look at the clothes, like you said, it's got that pop and it's got that kind of unique look to it. And you can tell that there's kind of something different, like momentum behind it. So it's really cool. Um, so Lynch, you touched on this earlier. You said that you're my right-hand man, which I'd like to think that you are. But um, what comes with that is that, and our TBR listeners will know this, that Michael hears a lot of me complaining about things at TBR. Um, and especially if you are from TBR, you know about the Wiffle Ball League. Uh, yeah. Michael and I talk pretty frequently about our Wiffle Ball League. And I come to him with a lot of the issues that I have. Um, and I think from just running a company, we know that there can be a fair share of issues. Um, and we've heard a lot about the good um, from Where's Woody, but I'd like to hear what you think the hardest part about manning it all is. I know you're on the road a lot. Um, and that can't be easy, but is there something that stands out in your mind that's like really difficult in terms of your, your day to day? You know, I think it always comes down to, and ironically, we're probably at one of the hardest uh times in, in, in recent memory, um, the financial side of the business, right? So, you know, one of the most challenging things for any business, whether you're in, you know, uh, a tangible good, like we are or consumer good, or you're, uh, you, 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 you're in a replenishable good business. And so what winds up happening is, you know, um, and my wife brings this up to me, she's like, well, geez, what happened to all that money you had after Christmas, you know? And, and I go, well, you know, my job, is to try to grow the business, right? So it's not just to maintain the status quo. So um, to answer your question, it, it, it becomes a real dance and uh, you know, trying to keep um, growing, keeping your, your vendors and, and, and uh, everybody that you, you pay, and that's more than you'd ever think, um, you know, to keep uh, operating the way that you want it to go. But um, the short of it is, it's really just comes down to the financials and the obligation that you have to uh, run the business, um, grow the business and, uh, and, and pay quite, quite, quite frankly, pay your bills and, and all that. And so, you know, right now we're obviously in a bit of a crunch because capital is super expensive, arguably as expensive as it's been in recent memory. Um, so you try to continue to bootstrap. And what I'm proud of, is that we've been able to bootstrap this business to upwards of a million dollars in revenue per year. Now, I think our, our capability is much, much higher than that, but I, I, I challenge people to find a business that's been able to do it with you know nothing but their own revenues and their own back pocket to be able to build such a business. But um, that's the biggest stressor. Um, and when you again, when you want to grow, you take whatever is left over. And you invest in things that, you know, that will move the needle to make you scale perhaps a little bit. So, you know, whether it's adding product or it's, um, you know, launching what we recently did here with our athlete program, which I think with our collaboration uh, with you guys is going to really uh, highlight that effort. Um, but it uh, everything takes money and everything takes, uh, unfortunately, takes time. And I say time's a four letter word, but, you know, we're playing ball here. 
And, um, you know, but in the short term, uh, every day, uh, the biggest um, aggravator, biggest challenge is, is just the financial uh, piece of the business. And, um, you know, keeping the lights on and moving forward. That's, that's the, that's the hardest part. But again, we, we're growing at a reasonable clip. Um, you know, we'd like to think that in the, in the near term that we'll get some, uh, some help financially. There's a lot of interested parties in our business. Um, and, and hopefully we'll find the right fit for us to be able to grow together. Um, but uh, until then it's all on me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Boss, man, you know, my job is to, uh, do a lot of things. It's to sell, it's to, it's to, uh, maintain it's to it's to grow um it's to f- try to find the right opportunities and as we know not all of them are the right ones but you got to continually experiment um and uh and and rebound when things don't go so well so there's a lot of stress but i without a without a doubt the hardest part on a day-to-day basis is uh is the dollars and cents piece of it right yeah so now back to the good next 5 to 10 years where, where do you hope to be? And, you know, what, what are, you know, any, any kind of exciting things to look for, even if it's in the immediate future that you would like to either accomplish or that you have your eyes set on? Well, um, you know, one thing that we're just starting to dip our toes into as we sort of scale our presence on the market is, you know, one, one opportunity, one dream, of course. And I don't think it's even a dream. I think it's a reality here in, in the relative near term is, you know, golf, we love golf. Um, like you do, I know. Uh, but you know, I, I truly believe you'll see where's Woody, uh, on, if not the corn Ferry tour, but the PGA tour, uh, in the next couple of years, um, which will great, give the brand great visibility. Um, we are working with some, uh, athletes right now in that space, uh, at the college level as part of our athlete program, which I think will be a bridge to all that opportunity. Um, so, you know, as it relates to golf, the resort business, pro shops. I think you'll, you'll see us, you know, make a play there. Um, I think digitally and socially, uh, again, part of our collaboration, it's only going to accelerate our presence, which, you know, I think quite frankly, we're a bit under the radar. I think we, uh, you know, once our message starts to get out there and what we, not only what we stand for, but our product, I mean, a lot of people rave about the product and it's, so I know that, uh, you know, we, I think we got a leg up on a lot of, a lot of brands out there. Um, and just on the product side of things, forget about all the other sort of intangibles, but uh, you'll see us, um, you know, frankly, uh, out there on the airwaves, if you will, more, more and more. And I think which is going to grow the brand. But I've always believed this. And I, I say this with all due, you know, with a lot of respect. I mean, I look at a brand that's really not comparable in terms of our, our style and our personality. But think of Vineyard Vines for a second. Here's a brand that was started by two guys, uh, two brothers um, neckties. And that's all they did for about five or six years. And, um, and then you tell people that they've been around for about 25, 26 years and they get, they almost fall out of their chair. And the reality was that the first 10 years or so they were, they were pretty much an unknown as was Lululemon. Lululemon's about the same age now. So the first 10 years are pretty much irrelevant. And then you sort of, you know, find your, find a sweet spot. And then you, uh, through different things that happen and some wind at your back, you break through. So, um, but I really, I really believe that if, if those guys can do what they've done at, at, at Vineyard Vines, that we have no less of a ceiling than they do. And that's super ambitious. But, um, again, we, we're, we're companies like that giving back on every sale. No. And, and, um, 
And I think that, that we have the capability of reaching a lot of people and doing a lot of good. And so, um, and I do think that our, our style, quite frankly, is more mainstream. It's not as niche as, 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 a, as a prepster brand, if you will, as they were. So, um, but I see us on, you know, on, on media, we see it on athletes, we see it on, you know, celebrity, we see it on everyday people that are just out there grinding away like we are um, and are out there to make a statement. They, they, they like wearing our stuff because it, it, it stands out and it's not in your face but it definitely has a different, unique look and vibe to it. Um, so I see us across all platforms, you know, and on the mainstream media, um, you know, on the masters, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, and getting into licensing, being in college bookstores, um, you know, never ending, never not doing our roadshow, but perhaps being in, in a higher profile events than where yeah. we are now. You know, um, you know, and that could be at, you know, some of the more prestigious um, golf tournaments and uh, who knows the Super Bowl or something like that. That would be kind of cool. But, you know, and th these aren't really dreams. It, this is a pathway to our to our uh, to our ultimate goal of of, um, you know, making great stuff close to home and then, you know, and making a difference. I really, truly believe my ultimate goal. And it sounds like almost unreachable is to. Uh, have raised enough money to cure diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hefty you know? goal, but. <laughs> and, hey, um, as they say, reach for the stars. And if you fall a little short, then you're still doing something great, you know? So that's sort of my attitude exactly. there. But, um, but I think that, you know, there's, again, certain elements of what we're doing and the hustle that we put into this thing that it eventually will, uh, as we are, I think we're feeling it now, we're beginning to really break through and, and reach more people. Um, and I think once we do that, you know, um, fortunately more people, pardon the pun, will our expression will jump on our wagon. I love that. That's great. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like the, uh, like the 04 Red Sox mentality. Like why not us? You know, like, like you mentioned all these other brands that, you know, are, are not too different than, than, you know, what you guys are doing in terms of just, you know, had an idea and, and you know, ran with it. Like, you know, why, why can't you do the same? So I like to hear that. Definitely. Yeah. It, you know, and I, let me, let me add on that. I think one of the, the fundamental differences between the way brands are, as I like to put it, manufactured now, or they really start online, right? And they, mm -hmm. they, they've been using Facebook and social media and ads and such to be able to buy their customers. Um, we've, we've uh, personally acquired all of our customers. And so uh, what I'm super excited about is we've gotten where we are with little to, you know, I wouldn't say no, but little to, uh, little ad spend and little marketing dollars. But what happens when we throw some juice on this thing, right? And we yeah. start to do it. other brands have been been uh, to where they've gotten to several million dollars in sales. So, you know, if we've been able to do what we've been able to do with uh, just flat out hustle and grassroots and um, face to face and, and little spend, um, what happens when we do start to do those things to, to sprinkle that on? Um, I think that's where the, the real excitement comes because um, we, we have a pretty good core, very strong core to be able to uh, build from. And I, I quite frankly think competitively speaking, because that's what I, you know, we are competitors here, that um, most brands haven't, um, then that's not their approach. It's just more, you know, spend their way to, to revenue. Mm -hmm. um, we, we haven't, we haven't been afforded that, that opportunity yet, but um, 
but we also take a lot of pride in the way we've been able to build it face to face, um, you know, over a, a long course of time. Yeah. I mean, I, that's cool stuff. I really like to hear that. One thing, I kind of a fun question, I guess you mentioned like, you know, you're always traveling the road show, I think is what you called it. What's your favorite yeah. part about getting the chance to do that? Uh, like kind of seeing different parts of the country, maybe places you would have never seen, maybe what's your favorite place. Just kind of what's your favorite part about it all in general? I'm curious. That's, that's something I find so interesting. Uh, I don't think this is the answer you'd expect. I think it's the quiet time behind the wheel. Uh, that's about the only quiet time I get. Um, but, uh, I will say, and you'll, you'll crack up, but, um, you know, I had never been to St. Louis and I was there like maybe three weeks ago. Um, and like, you know, my hotel was like two, two blocks away from the gateway arch and Bush stadium. And I'm going, boy, be kind of cool to walk underneath the arch or go over to like ballpark village at Bush stadium, never had a chance, you know, I, you know, 7am to eight, eight, 9pm. So it was, it was, uh, the sun wasn't even up when I was, you know, uh, when I, when I had the time to, um, it was out either out or, or down or yeah. not even down by the time I, uh, uh, could look at those things. So I think we get the, you know, I, we get the chance to travel quite a bit, I'm not sure we get to take in the sites as much as we'd like to, um, but sometimes, and I will say traveling in the Midwest, no offense, is really not the most, you know, um, you know, tantalizing to the eye. It's pretty flat and what have you. So, um, but, um, you know, I think, um, honestly, the thing I probably enjoy the most is actually the, the, the discussions and the, the, the sort of the chats we have with a lot of our clientele. And I will say, because it still shocks me every day that how many people have diabetes, it's a big number. So, and if there's any sort of encouragement or, um, you know, whatever the heck I can, you know, sort of inspiration I can give to people, parents uh, with or, uh, or of people with di uh, di diabetes, I think, that makes us that make me makes me feel really good, but um, it's still a shockingly huge number of people. But um, I don't know. Someday I'll look back and I think I'll re I'll really appreciate the fact that we've been able to get out there and, and and talk to so many people and visit some interesting places. We have been to some cool places. I mean, I think you know I didn't get to go last year, but um, Ronan got the opportunity to go to to Vail last year, which is super cool. We'll be back in Colorado this year. We love going to places like that, San Diego, Southern California, whether it's on the beach or at a rowing or God in San Diego. Um, there's a lot of really cool places that we've been. And uh, again, getting back to my ambition before, I think that there's places internationally that this brand can really play well. And um, I think there's a definitely a Euro vibe about it. And, you know, uh, and to answer Brendan's question earlier, I mean, I, th I think F1 is a play for us God, down the road. Um, so Michael's a big F1 fan. Too, yeah, I love that. That. I'm sure that piqued your interest a little bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of really cool places that our, our brand works. Um, so I would, I'm probably what keeps uh, keeps me and us going more than anything is our, uh, I think where it is that we still can go. Um, we've been to some pretty humbling places um, to date and we've been to some really, really cool ones, but I look to more of the more, you know, um, very cool and like wow places you know going forward and that's what gets us keeps us going is uh where we, it's where we still yet to go we have to go and um i just don't even think we've barely scratched the surface here there's a lot more yeah, our ceiling's quite high in my opinion cool very cool 
Um, so I'll wrap up with one final question, a little bit of a fun one too. You talked um, a few minutes ago about, you know, you have a lot already of partnerships with collegiate athletes and, and hope to get more in the future. Um, but currently, you know, especially in this world of NIL, where a lot is becoming possible with working with athletes, are there any like dream athletes that you would love to get on the Where's Woody team, either professional or collegiate or, or you know, or even celebrities too? It doesn't have to be an athlete. Well, you know, it's, um, of course, we'd like to have the finest of, of athletes and celebrities that um, have a cause around diabetes. I think, you know, there's a list of those folks. Um, uh, I'm not, you know, I, I truly believe that um, it's not really the, the ones that are, have the biggest name or, the, or that are ones that are most prominent, prominent out there. Um, but I really see us having, you know, a, a group of people um, that um, are real doers, real involved in the community, real hustlers. Um, and a lot of these people as what, where we're positioning the athlete program right now and uh, is with people that play lacrosse and volleyball and field hockey and even spike ball and pickleball and things like that, that are, you know, sort of the way we built the brand at, at events like that, where they, it's a second tier sort of, uh, you know, sport if you will it's not the nfl major league baseball or the nba but um i think eventually we'll get there but i really i mean i think we're all geeks for golf in some respect and i think golf is is uh super intriguing uh it's getting more intriguing now i think than it's ever been um but yeah of course we'd love to have any one of like you know maybe the top 10 players you know i i know that um Sam Burns, for example, doesn't have type one diabetes, but I believe his best friend growing up does. And, um, you know, that is, it would be somebody with, I think, a great demeanor and, and, and uh, you know, sort of position in the game. It would be aspirational for us to, to work with. You know, we, we also are beginning to work with uh, an up and coming great golfer at Oklahoma, Jackson Dowell, who um, hopefully, hopefully will be that guy that, that can really, you know, continue to have a great college career and then go on to the pros. And, and so we're beginning to work with him and, and um, a lot of stuff is still not really released to the public yet, but, um, but we have a really good stable of people that are interested in what we're doing that um, we're excited to be able to announce throughout the next, you know, several months. But, um, but yeah, I mean, anybody with a big voice, I mean, I think in diabetes, right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a guy like Nick Jonas arguably has the biggest voice of anyone the out biggest, there. Yeah. And uh, he's a, he's an international superstar, you know, and, um, you know, and maybe he's a type of guy, but, you know, um, but again, it doesn't have to be somebody with such a high profile, but it is, is um, but it would be nice, you know, yeah. uh, but we, we love sport. That's how we built the brand. Um, and again, our play right now with our athlete program is what we call second tier or non-revenue generating sports as the primary focus. And we're going to get the right, right um, pro college and high school athletes that represent the brand, love what we do. And, um, you know, can really be a face of the brand that, uh, you know, we aspire to have. And hopefully over time, you know, that's uh, a few hundred great people that can be uh, real, um, you know, megaphones and uh, bullhorns for the brand. And, um, but that's, that's where we're at. But, you know, make no mistake. I think any great brand, any any brand that has great aspirations, would uh, would love to have some big names. 
Right. We just have yeah. to we just have to keep doing what we're doing, and we we you know we'll we'll get there. But um, I think what we're doing right now is a, is a way to you know put bricks in the foundation with with that, and um, it, the time will come. Yeah, I mean, even on this podcast, I mean, we've already started planning in, um, in terms of who we'd like to have as a guest. Um, and we were driving back from your offices last week, um, the three of us in the car, myself, Lynch, and Seth, um, who, for everybody, will also be on this podcast too. If you're listening from TBR, Seth will be here. He just couldn't be here today. Um, and we were just Googling, you know, professional athletes with type 1 diabetes. And there were probably what Lynch, you remember my reaction, like eight or nine names where I was like, really, they do like big names. I was like, I had no idea. Like I knew kind of the, the foundational Max Domi, um, NHL player, um, uh, a couple, um, I knew Jackie Robinson had type two diabetes, but you know, still in the diabetes realm. I had no idea that there were some names, big ones in the NFL that had type one diabetes and you just have no idea. So the goal eventually um, is to have those people on the podcast and to, and to speak with them about their experience. Um, so, and then also like you mentioned the athletes that you guys are working with um, and hoping to work with in the future, we can also get them on the podcast, hear their story and, um, and yeah, just kind of create this community around, um, you know, sports type one diabetes and then, you know, lifestyle clothing wear and sportswear as well specifically golf which is what you mentioned um which kind of segues me to the first kind of teaser that i think we can drop about this collaboration um it's been in the works pretty significantly over the past couple of weeks and i think it's going to come to fruition pretty soon but our goal is outside of just doing this podcast um is to get some content some some visual content out there And like you said, Mike, you guys are looking to get more into the golf world and golf content. And that's something that our TBR followers will remember we did for a long time um, on our YouTube and on our TikTok and on our Instagram. Um, And so we are hoping to launch a little bit of a mock Where's Woody tour um, where you will see personalities from TBR sports. You will see um, members of the Where's Woody team hitting the links and competing with and against each other um, in kind of mock majors, um, so to speak. So we've got the Where's Woody kind of play on the Masters. Um, we're, still, we're still working on names and logos a little bit, and we'll leak those when we, when we finalize them. But think about your four majors in golf. You know, you've got the Masters, U.S. Open, the Open, and then PGA Championship. We're hoping to have kind of our own set of, of majors on this, uh, on this golf tour. And, um, and we're hoping to be filming and releasing those videos uh, sooner rather than later. Um, we put together a very tentative schedule that has us filming a video in two weeks, I think, which I don't know if we're gonna meet that deadline or not, but the hope is that you know, soon, soon around that time we will. But that's something I'm really excited about. Um, and it's something that I think everybody can get behind even if you're not a golfer. Um, I mean, Lynch, maybe, Maybe you'll pick up a club. You you, you okay. usually film those events for us, um, but but who knows? Yeah, maybe into golf. maybe you'll get into in golf. on it, you know. Um, and then we also talked about mini golf as well. Just maybe like one mini golf round for the people that don't um, play golf uh, either at Where's Woody or TBR. So that's something that's really cool that I'm excited about because it feels like at TBR, once wiffle ball really took off in recent years, there wasn't a lot of room to do 
other visual content because I mean, we see it now. Our, our, our Instagram following has become very heavily wiffle ball oriented, which is great. And I love that. Um, but you know, I would, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss doing golf content or kind of just random, you know, sports challenge videos that we used to do, um, spike ball, things like that. So getting the opportunity to do all of that moving forward with the, the where's Woody branch of, of our kind of realm at TBR is going to be really exciting. So that's something to look forward to in the immediate future um, is the kind of the where's Woody golf tour. And um, I don't have, uh, I don't know. I don't have any grudges against anybody, but I think, I think it's going to get pretty competitive. If you throw like me and uh, me and Robbie Carpentier, who's like a scratch golfer uh, and I'm not out there on the course, if you can give me a couple strokes, I think, I think I can hang around. Um, and I know that Ronan was like a pretty good golfer um, at the collegiate level as well. So I think we're going to have, you know, it's not going to be just some hacks out there. I think we'll have some competition, which is nice. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all that we have um, planned. Uh, is there anything else that anyone would like to just, you know, briefly mention any, any wrapping up points? On my end. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I say that uh, you know we're excited. You know, as we come into the warmer months here, um, you know, as you guys touch on a lot, our road show is going to really start to ramp up here. So you know, we've got a you know, rowing season out there right now coming up, and um, then it's lacrosse, pretty intense lacrosse, and then um, you know, for June and July for the most part, and uh, you know, all that mixed in with. Um, you know, the golf stuff that you guys mentioned with uh, the Where's Woody Tour and such. Um, there's going to be a lot of sports going on out there. And, um, you know, hopefully for a lot of folks that, um, you know, follow uh, you guys and, and our fans and, and customers of us, um, you know, you'll see. I'm excited to see what the, the type of like, you know, content that's going to come out of all this. Um, you know, in my opinion, for us, it's long overdue, but. Um, it should be real cool. So it's, yeah. it's going to be, you know, I've always said, man, if, you know, for all the great, great experiences and encounters we've had with people over the years now with the, you know, a much, much more, uh, better ability to capture all that, you know, that, the, those sort of encounters are going to be so much more, uh, powerful. Right. You know? Yeah. No, we're Not super excited to, to, yeah. you know, jump into the content. Um, and like we said, all episode, I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of it. Um, so much opportunity. And like you said, what better time to do it than now? Like I'm staring out my window and I'm seeing people on the street dressed like they're going to go to the beach. It's like 80 degrees out today. Um, and, and it's great. So this is, and all week it's been, it's been beautiful. So, yeah, what better time to, to kind of get outside and, um, kind of get going on some content. So, uh, yeah, that was that was an awesome conversation. I mean, it, it, we appreciate having you on. Um, and yeah, really, really cool stuff that we talked about. Um, and before we hop off, this will cater more to our TBR audience. If you're listening from Where's Woody, um, you know, check out check out the TBR links because we will be mentioning some stuff on this podcast that might not be familiar to you. Um, but Lynch, I just want to briefly ask you, um, you know, the opening day for for wiffle ball the matchup was released and it just so happens that your team will be playing on opening day uh which will be the weekend of may 7th i believe it's a lot earlier this year which is i'm excited for 
I'd just like to get a quick pulse on how your team is feeling entering into the series. Uh, yeah, so we spoke last night. We had a nice conversation. Uh, we're excited. Uh, you know, we we didn't exactly have a season that we wanted last year, but we felt like we ended on a high note. You know, obviously losing to you guys in the first round wasn't what we that wanted. That was a high note for you, losing. No, what I said, what I said is, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't what we wanted. But going yeah. to this year, we're excited. Um, you know, I, I like to think, you know, we're kind of an underdog this year. You know, we do have some new teams, but if you're looking at it from, you know, our returning team's perspective, like, I feel like you know, kind of people doubt us, maybe. So I'm excited to see where we go. I'm just glad to be out on another opening day, back-to-back years, maybe three yet, but I know back-to-back for sure. I'm just glad that we're here. I'm excited. I'm yeah, looking forward. That's good to hear. And we wish you the best of luck in the season. And uh, if you're listening from Where's Woody and you're interested in uh, watching some wiffle ball content or maybe catching some of it live in person, you will have the opportunity to do so. We'll release more on that in a little bit. Um, but that's something that probably within the next week, I'm really excited to announce that. Um, I mean, I, I, it doesn't have to be secretive, but I'd like to plan this big announcement around it. But we will be having our first live in-person wiffle ball series um, that will be a collaborative event with Where's Woody. We're going to have um, food, live music, merchandise tents, live podcasting, live broadcasting. Um, and yeah, it's going to be cool to bring a lot of our fans together and the Where's Woody community together. Um, there's going to be opportunities to play wiffle ball alongside the uh, the TBR guys and the Where's Woody guys, as well as you know watch a, a pretty highly competitive wiffle ball series um, in the middle of the summer. So it's going to be great. Um, we will you know kind of formally announce that on our social media soon. But yeah, something to look forward to. So uh, so yeah, that's all we have for episode one of the Where's Woody uh, podcast. We appreciate. Everybody listening, Mike, great conversation. Thank you for coming on and taking the time. Um, really cool to hear from you, as always. Um, and we look forward to having you back on again um, and getting you know you in front of the camera for, for some new content um, outside of yeah. podcasting as well. Um, that's going to be really exciting. So uh, if you're on YouTube, check out the links in the description. If you're on Spotify, TBR Sports on Instagram, Where's Woody? All social medias. We'll link everything down in the description of the podcast episode. And uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure to come back for episode two and uh, and episode 122 of the Booth Review Podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Peace.